Hello and welcome once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows, one of the shows that we have up 24-7 on our podcast feed and for now on our radio loop, both conveniently accessible at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. Not just there, but wherever you get your podcast, check for us wherever, wherever you get your favorite podcast and make sure that Center Left Radio remains one of them. It is, by the way, and it's hard to imagine this, but it's already the 15th of December, that that, that thing called uh, Christmas and New Year, everything just literally uh, around the corner. uh, Even even stronger than that, well, maybe not stronger, but but in terms of things that, that are literally astronomically important um, hmm that w- that was a stretch but I'll but go with me uh, we have the winter solstice coming up on the 21st of this month that that's that's literally less than a week a week away the point where at least if you're in the northern hemisphere You've lost the full six hours of daylight that you had. You've lost six hours of daylight from what you had six months earlier, back on June 21st. Little by little, maybe a minute or two or however much it is, I, 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 I've seen the exact calculation. It's in the two-minute range every day. You do that for six months. You keep taking away two minutes of daylight. And you suddenly are down to six hours less. And when you're sitting in this chair doing this show, you don't see any sign of dawn uh, showing up before the show, at least the raw version of it, uh, has been uh, laid down uh, in audio. It's, that's, that's what changes for me. Now, during, at, at the peak of summer, six months from now, as the earth turns again, uh, on, at twi- and, and, well, as it goes around the sun again, and as it maintains its, although with slight precession, we won't get into that, a 23 and a half degree pitch away from the, the parallel, from, 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 the, from a perfect 90-degree stance uh, in terms of the orbit, a perfect, if you had a perfect circular orbit around the sun and the Earth was standing straight up along the line of that orbit, in, the words, in other words, it was able to, you could draw a perfect, um, you, could, you, could, you could transect, oh boy, here comes trigonometry, here comes geometry, no, 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 no. The Earth, if the Earth was at 90 degrees to the sun, perfectly, perfectly, standing straight up inside, it was, it was absolutely uh, vertical in its approach to the sun and its relationship, where there was no change in the axis, well then, the temperature and everything around the Earth and the seasons would be virtually identical all year round. But no, no, that's not the case. 
the Earth tilts 23 and a half degrees on axis, and you have seasons changing. And when the seasons do not change within certain rules and regulations and expectations that are developed over months and years and centuries and millennia, and recordably so, uh, even for those things for which we do not have human recording... Well, then we also know that things are changing largely on the planet. There's all sorts of, of indication, all sorts of indicia of change that one can recognize and deal with, or as we've learned, not deal with when it comes to recognition of change. I, I, you or I or anyone else can look at uh, statistical charts about temperature. We could look at rainfall distribution. We could look at severity of storms over time. And 99 plus percent of the scientists in the world looking at the data, the clear, unmistakable data would say, yes, there is some additional factor going on, something that is causing changes in the climate of Earth. It is not falling within standard parameters. The way in which it is changing suggests, suggests there should be another element. Let's go look for it. And scientists do look for it, and they realize there is differences, not so subtle, occurring in the amount of greenhouse gases, in the amount of carbon dioxide and other gases that are being retained in the atmosphere, which are there because of a hyperproduction of those gases, and the results of that hyperproduction and the results of that, of that accumulation within the atmosphere tracks perfectly with what is happening atmospherically, planetary-wide. And, the, well, then, then there's another thing that follows that. Well, gee, if this keeps going the way it's going, this isn't good for the planet. There are very easily predictable results of things like this. We can see them in the fossil record. We can see it in the planet, in the geological record. We could see what happens when ice ages occur. We can see when, when icebergs might melt. We could see what happens when sea levels rise. We can see what happens when they fall. And for the first time in the fossil record, whether or not you want to believe Al Gore or think he was overstating his, his, his case about planetary change and global warming and you don't like him because he's a lib Democrat or anything else, but we can see human, direct human influence being causative of change. It's there. The facts are in front of us. We make a political or a financial decision not to believe these things because there is some perceived advantage or disadvantage to believing them. It could be as simple as, I don't want to believe what they believe because they're them and I'm me. That's, that's a starting point for that. 
Or it could be more uh, emotionally, uh, I don't want to say, but maybe the word is imbalanced. I, 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 I can't accept the fact that anything would change because uh, God uh, wouldn't allow, I, I don't know, maybe you could get religious about You could do all sorts of things to avoid reality, to avoid facts. You can buy into all sorts of, of, of belief structures. You can buy into conspiracy theories. You can buy into non-conspiracy. They're, they're, they're creating the storyline so that we'll have to give up our guns or maybe we'll have to give up our, our Hummers or our Jeeps or, or, or whatever. We'll, we, we won't be able to, um, uh, you can't barbecue anymore. Uh, if, if, it goes on and on and on. But it's a resistance. It's an inability to accept a simple fact that will require a large group of people. It will require you to get past your antipathy towards, your, your presumed distrust of others to formulate, to work with a common approach to achieve a common positive end. Now, why people wouldn't do this? Well, they, again, they have to be convinced they they have to be they have to be touched they have to be they have to be communicated with they they have to they have to have felt something at a far deeper more threatening level when i can look at the planet and see that something is changing but still force myself either not to see it or to absolutely deny the fact that there's anything that i can do with people who i don't like i am doing something out of Fear. I'm not doing it out of something for my own benefit. The easy, logical thing would be to do something to make it change. To fight it, to fight it, to fight it, to fight it takes anger and fear, and it takes all sorts of additional energy that I have to keep rechanneling and, 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 and reinforcing and pushing and pushing and pushing, and I ultimately have to move myself into a different world in order to be able to live with my antipathy towards a simple fact, simple facts. I can't look at them. I can't accept them. I have to find ways of filtering them. This is what a substantial part of America is doing right now as it, as it, as it pertains to climate change. And not just climate change. It, it well clearly if if you can if you can be pushed to to make a decision that is so contrary to your best interests based on someone or some group's ability to excite your your denial of facts that are in front of you your or, or to prevent you from even seeing those facts and and to make you aware that there are others that feel just like you well, clearly you can take this well beyond the climatary, the, the climactic uh, realm. I, 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 I can't help, but well, I have it in my mind to make a little bit of a leap from, uh, from global warming to, uh, to hair dye running, as it were. And I'm th I, I cannot help but think about uh, one 
former U.S. attorney for the first, uh, for the first district, the U.S. Uh, first judicial district of the United States, what, what is considered to be the top, um, the top U.S. attorney role in the country, that for the New York Southern District, uh, judicial district one in, in terms of the United States, and the guy who ran it uh, at one point before he became mayor of the city of New York uh, until he almost wouldn't leave. Th th this, is, this is an experience he had. A guy named Rudy Giuliani, who we called at one point America's mayor. And uh, he was a tough-ass son of a bitch when it came to uh, all sorts of uh, prosecutions against the bad guys, especially white-collar prosecutions. He and Chris Christie, in particular, the two of them, were massive in white-collar prosecution. Well, why? Because there's so much uh, white-collar uh, residency in the two districts they were in, Christie being there in Jersey. Uh, I, I forget how much of a judicial district. Uh, is it the entire state of Jersey, part of a single judicial district? But New York, New York is broken up. And again, this is usually based on population centers and what have you. Rudy was the kingpin of the top of the top of the top when it came to being uh, the U.S. District uh, Attorney for the uh, Federal, uh, the Federal Attorney for the first U.S. District in America, and it is considered to be the premier position for an attorney in that area of law. You couldn't, you don't get any higher than that when it comes to prosecutorial activity, when it comes to being a, a criminal prosecutor. Uh, where Rudy was is, and you got to be damn good and damn smart and damned effective, and a certain amount of ruthlessness comes with it also. You got to be able to just go right at people. And that's the same guy who yesterday, basically, uh, in a courtroom, in a, in a I, is he in Georgia? I think it's in Georgia this is taking place. This is a civil case. Keep in mind, and this is the guy who, by the way, was also the mayor of New York when 9-11 happened. But then a weird thing happened after 9-11 happened. He started telling people that it was safe to go back into uh, southern Manhattan. And once the elections had finally taken place, the new mayor elections had taken place, they were delayed because of 9-11. He basically finally, and he, and he couldn't run again, he wasn't running again because Mike, uh, Mike Bloomberg won, and, and I think there was a term limit, it was a two-term a two limit at that point. Bloomberg, by the way, gave himself a third term, another story. But basically, Rudy said, I want to stay on for six more months to do the transition out of 9-11. We need me in there in order to make the, Rudy didn't want to leave. Rudy didn't want to give up the power. No one really focused on it for anything more than a statement at the time, because instantaneously, Mike Bloomberg said, no, thank you, Mr. Giuliani. I can handle this myself, or words to that effect. But it was the first indication we had of the of a of an emotional weirdness of, of a sense of we can break the most fundamental rules to preserve my slash our whoever his group was around him power 
my power, my need to be powerful, my need to feel a sense of connection to power transcends even the most fundamental uh, things that I have been sworn in my capacity as mayor of the city of New York, as, as, as top lawyer for the federal government prosecutorially in the first judicial district of New York and southern New York and everything. All of that is subordinated to my desire to retain power. Everything, everything I know, everything I believe in, everything I've sworn to uphold is contrary to my saying, I want to stay in power. And actually making a serious, and at that time, not a demand, an offer to Mike Bloomberg to push back his, what that would have done, I mean, even legally, how the hell you would have done that is ridiculous. But the fact that Rudy even said that gives you some sense of what has had been, and obviously, well, we'll get to that in a second, is still operating within this guy's mind. What he was available to, what, 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 what could influence him, what could get to him, this sheer desire for power, this desire to hold on to it, the, 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 the love of what it felt like, the capacity to do things that you couldn't do without that sanctioned power of the state, of, 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 of government, of everything that comes with it. And here he was about to give it up at what emotionally for him would have been one of the key moments to rebuild the city, to exercise his power. Well, what he had to do in the end was he had to simply go out, start a consulting firm, and do all sorts of security consulting for governments around the world and make them understand what they were up against and how to be careful there might be another attack from, from, uh, uh, you know, from Al-Qaeda or, or you know, bin Laden or whoever the hell blew up the World Trade Center buildings. And, and here's how you protect your country from it. And Rudy made a fortune doing this. Did great. But he was fundamentally nuts. He had basic, well, nuts. He basically, something in him made him ready to give up everything that he ever claimed he believed in, which of course would include preserving the rule of law, preserving the way things were supposed to be legally, preserving, and that it would obviously have to include the succession of, of govern, governments based on voting and everything else. He was ready to throw it all over in an instant because something in him said, I don't want to give up power, and this might be the moment when someone like me could get away with that. His, his, his dedication to the notion of, 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 of rule of law just instantly gave way to something that was embedded in him, something that was triggered by an opportunity to finally, finally destroy the effects of votes. To, 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 begin, to begin basically throwing away the process 
the most, the most fundamental of democratic processes. He said it out loud. He said what he was feeling and thinking, and Mike Bloomberg instantly shot him down. But it was within him, somewhere inside of him, was this urge, this desire, this belief that I can be, a, all of this is nothing but a sub, I'm above this. I can deal with, I can change the things that will make me emotionally feel fulfilled by destroying the system that I have spent a, a political lifetime allegedly upholding. And what I've done is I've proved to you, the world, and I've proved to myself that I can throw it all away in an instant if it fulfills some gnawing, driving need in me that is contrary to everything that I ever believed. This is the Rudy Giuliani multiplied countless times with the hair dye running down his head, doing an impromptu press conference in front of some, uh, some hardware store somewhere, I forget where the hell, in Tennessee, wherever the hell it was, ranting and raving, saying absurd things. And this is the same guy who falls under the Svengali spell of Donald Trump, who has a way of getting past all the rules and regulations and helping people fulfill their deepest, deepest urges, many of which seem to be essentially fascistic in nature. Well, let's take it over. Let the rich, let the powerful run everything. Yeah, yeah, we've got a constitution. Yeah, I've been, I've been sworn to uphold it. Hey, you were, you were, the, you were the first, uh, the, the top district. I was the president of the United States, and I don't give a flying fuck about it either. So let's just throw it all away because we can have everything we've ever wanted, and we can make other people believe that by following us, they can fulfill their deepest, darkest desires. If we can convince ourselves, if we can allow, uh, and we are the most powerful, and if all we're doing if we recognize it, if, 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 we're, if we're psychologically sound enough to understand what it is we're doing, we're defying everything about our oaths of office in order to move us closer to this fantasy of power, which basically is in defiance of our oaths of office. Well, imagine what we could, how could we really make this happen? Well, we'd have to have popular support, but we can't have that popular support through the normal channels of elections because elections can be lost. So we have to get people good and damned angry. We have to get them to tap into their greatest fears. And then we have to get them to imagine that things they never thought could be done in their lifetimes, the things that are gnawing at them, their fears, their angers, the things in society that seem to block them from their achievements, we have to focus on those things and get them to come along with us in what is essentially a counter-American psychological coup.
a, a way of overcoming the limitations that America would normally present to people who want to simply fulfill their fantasies at any cost, no matter what it does to the constitutional democracy. Just, just join us, and it's, it'll be your last chance, by the way. You'll never get a chance to do this after this. This, this is it. We're it. And you have to convince people you're the last chance to get this done. And, and because if we don't do it now, whatever it is, if we don't take over now, you will, they, they is everybody else who's not within our cabal, who's not part of our group, they, and they are, they're all part of a deep state, they're all somehow connected to a deep state, they will do whatever it is they want to do to you in the worst. You divide a country to fulfill your own fantasies, whether you realize you're doing it this way or not. But then there have to be practical things that are done to, to, to actually make this happen. You ultimately have to begin with a, an intent to divide the country. You have to split it every way you can. You have to turn it into a pure us-them. You have to go against everything that the founders of this country said we were supposed. We're supposed to be one nation, indivisible, you know, liberty and justice. For no, 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 no. We have to divide it up. It's the only way to get what I want. Translate well. You can imagine what you want. I'll. I need your support. But I don't really want to be burdened by your needs. Ultimately, you're going to support me, and then you'll keep supporting me because you'll have no chance. Everybody else, the hell with them. The, the people who, who were never on my side, screw them. We are going to make me into Mussolini, Hitler, <laughs> Franco. Uh, the, 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 uh, the, 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 you know, whatever is happening in Hungary, whatever might be happening at some point in Turkey, what is happening in Russia, what is happening in North Korea. Just give me that power. Let me play with your fantasies. Now, there are things you're going to have to do before I'm able to fully exercise my power on your behalf. And I will be in the wings, and I will basically get you where we need to go, but you have to buy in. And in the last, in the, in the war, and, in, and hopefully the only Trump administration, once he had lost the election, once it was obvious not enough people had bought in to the fantasies of what he was and what the other side wasn't, and his fascistic mental warblings about where he wanted to go, not the country, where he, well, the country insofar as he would own the country. It didn't work, not electorally. So what do you do? Well, you, did exactly, you do exactly what Rudy did. I want to stay in power, except you go a step further and you try to basically negate the election. Oh, that's not working. We're going through the courts. The courts, 62 courts have denied us. One court gave us a partial victory that wouldn't have changed anything in Pennsylvania anyway. No, we couldn't do it in the courts. Well, now we're going to have to go with a fake elector scheme. Let's try that. Oh, that's not working. Well, what we're going to have to have is an insurrection to stop Mike Pence from counting the vote on January 6th. That's our last... Uh, 
and what would happen if there was a next step? What would the next step be if Mike Pence can't do it? What would, how far would a Donald go? I mean, it was January 6th. He was out of there. He was going to be out of there within a matter of days before the, before the inauguration was going to take, an inauguration he refused to attend, first president in modern history not to be there as part of the transition, peaceful transition of power, a symbolic as well as very practical statement of, as far as I'm concerned, there is no valid transition, only I can be here. And his followers, the people who had bought in, the, the underbelly of America, which is always there, there's always about a, third, a quarter to a third of the country, who given the opportunity would probably vote to, to, to pull the switch that exists or push the button that exists in every uh, constitutional democracy to basically destroy it. That, that's always there in a democracy. That option must always implicitly be there. But Donald, in his sick brilliance, figured out that you could actually get people to focus on really trying to push the button and joining him in it. And will help you with all your fantasies. Maybe, oh, it, it, maybe it'll be, uh, I don't know, is it going to be uh, uh, climate change? Uh, uh, they're taking away your religion. They're taking away your guns. Uh, uh, they're, 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 robbing, they're robbing you of, of every economic opportunity. It's them versus us. Uh, you are basically being just, and on and on until you finally have MAGA. You have a movement. And the movement, whether it realizes it or not, is dedicated to taking down the established order in the name of its guru, in the name of its, its cult leader, in the name of someone who wants to take it down because they believe they have a right to it. And you must simply go with him or basically be on the wrong side of the power that will be. And all of the, the shameful, uh, sad uh, sort of stuff you're watching Rudy Giuliani go through right now, uh, he basically admitted in civil court to his liability for defaming uh, Shane and Ruby Moss. And then, uh, not some, somewhere in his, in his illness, realizing that he can't really give this up, Outside the courtroom, before going, he, he, he's, he's, he's been convicted of that. He has been found, he has been found culpable, liable for defaming them. That everything he said was a lie. He knew it was a lie. It wasn't, there, there's been no insanity defense interposed over here. There's been no incapacity. There's been no calling upon the court to give me mercy, etc. I'm not crazy. No, 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 I'm not nuts. No, no, no. I simply, I realized what I said. And it was, but, but then you get him outside the courtroom and suddenly mentally that hair dye is dripping again and he starts ranting and raving about the fact that everything he said was true and that they're lying and blah, blah, blah. And this is while the jury is deciding the penalty phase of the trial, how much money he's going to... Now, Shane and Ruby Moss are asking for something like, I don't know, it was $10 million? That would bankrupt Rudy completely. He doesn't have that money. Whatever he had as a result of his, of his uh, uh, 
his consulting business where he was running around the world telling countries what to do and what not to do to keep people from flying airplanes into their buildings or something. That's gone. Uh, and, and, his, and his flakiness is a known fact. And he's been divorced. Uh, not, uh, his, uh, the, the, the one with the tiara, Judith, that, the, 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 the one that he, that he took because uh, after he divorced his wife on live television or told her he was getting a divorce on live television. All of that is gone. She's left him. She's uh, got all sorts of claims against him. This guy basically is the poster child for what happens and what invariably must happen once you've bought into Donald. When reality, if reality is still strong enough, if there's still a structural government in this instance to push back against sick fantasies that are fascistic and simply designed to take the system down in the name of propping up an image of a person who simply is in it for themselves. That is Donald. Get that right. Once, if, if there's anything left to the system, then Rudy is what happens to the people in that system, the ones who have put out the most effort on behalf of the want-to-be, would-be fascist. Rudy goes down. And don't think for a second that there aren't a huge number of Republicans out there, especially the ones in power, who aren't looking at what's happening to Rudy and saying, oh my God, oh my God, I, I'm I next. Is this where I go next? And they're realizing that they can't simply tear down the government in order to bring Donald in instantly, they don't have the power or the means, the government will not succumb that readily because Donald is the only way that you prevent what's happening to Rudy from happening to a whole bunch of other people. And finally, all the little people who basically are there, the underbellies who are willing to believe all of this crap, will see what happens to you. If Donald keeps saying to you, I'm the last thing standing between you and the deep state, and suddenly Donald is proven vulnerable. Look what's happening to Rudy. Watch what's about to happen to, uh, to Mark Meadows. Uh, there's a hearing today. He's still trying to move his case to federal court where he thinks he'll get a better jury. He probably will not be able to get that. He's tried that once before. It won't happen. But if... If people begin to see, or no, 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 when people see justice being administered, when they see what's happening to Rudy right now be replicated among others in the inner circle, when they see Donald himself finally accused and then convicted, then sentenced, the guy who they're going to have to get past me to get to you. And suddenly they get him. And there's no one else because Donald stands alone. There's no one else to get past. Then what do you do? What do you do when the guy who basically is the last barrier before they get to you, he says, when they finally get 
him, when he can no longer stand, when he can no longer thumb his nose and do everything else. What happens when they get him? Then you stand there, and it's like the scene, the final scene from, remember Angels with Dirty Faces, Jim, J James Cagney, where they finally capture him, and uh, he's going to get the electric chair. This is, this is how the, the, the story plays out. And there was, remember, it was two little boys, him and uh, who, who, who plays the priest, and one becomes a priest, and one becomes the, the criminal, and the criminal basically, everybody is following him. The kids all over the country, especially New York City, where they're from, basically are following him, and, and, and they want to be like him, and the priest in the end uh, says to him, Jimmy, we've known each other all our life, whatever his name is in the, in the, in the, in the movie. Go down, go down and, 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 and be, I want you to be a coward at the end. I want you to basically give these kids a reason not to become like you. I want you to redeem yourself at the end of your life because there's nothing more you could do after that. Do you want to continue to take people down with you? Or will you, show, will you, will you uh, seek to redeem your lives and theirs as a result of basically saying, I'm a coward, I'm wrong, this is something. And he, he, he ends his life crying and whimpering as they're dragging him to the electric chair. And the priest blesses himself and says, thank you, God, for a miracle. And there's a scene in the end with little kids saying, geez, I thought he was so great, I thought he was so wonderful. He basically, he was just a chicken, just like... You get where I'm going with this. Donald basically, once convicted once sentenced, will be doing everything and anything to overcome that, but he won't, there's nothing he will be able to do. And all the people who have been around him, the Giuliani's of, 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 of Trump, all of the people who have surrounded him, all of the politicians who have, who have sunk their fortunes, their lives into him, all the people who, who, have, been, who have been basically duped by him, are suddenly going to have to confront the reality of life after Trump, life without Trump. No further assistance is coming from him. And when that happens, you are Rudy outside the courtroom, and then you are Rudy in the courtroom, and your attorney is trying to explain to the judge and the jury, look, my client is a flat earther. He used those words. He's, he's a guy who just can't somehow let it go. He's made mistakes. He's already admitted to that. Please understand that. It's difficult for basically saying my client is a complete nut. He's a jerk. But you can't simply write him off as a nut or give him leniency as a nut. I know that that's the case. But understand, please don't be any worse on him because he's a self-deluding nut. Now, watch carefully where this goes, ultimately. Watch where this winds up. Watch how this jury responds to Rudy. What this jury feels needs to be done to make things right again, where a guy has admitted that he's... Well, and Donald did the exact same set of lies, even worse. 
he had the bully pulpit of the presidency, to lie and lie and lie and lie about these two women to destroy their lives just so he could perpetuate a myth which will, would ultimately destroy the country, put him in power, and everybody else is screwed. But it's happening to Rudy first, certainly on a civil level. By the way, Donald may lose everything he has very shortly also, and that's in a judge's hands right now. Just in a, in a judge. Donald, like Rudy, has already been found liable, guilty, in a civil trial for fraud, essentially. They're both liable for the same thing. They're both going through the same process, except Rudy's is about to reach fruition, I believe, this afternoon. Donald is still waiting to see. He's ended his, the defense is rested, and we're waiting to see how much the judge is going to take away from him. They're both traveling down the same path right now. Although Donald is so damn good at covering his tracks up even as we watch him. He's so good at blustering and yelling and screaming and jumping up and down and cursing this one and that one and, and, and berating and denying and defying every restrictive order and every kind of gag order. And he just keeps doing it. And you can't even, wait a minute, what's going on? They're about to take away his empire. Well, Rudy is about to lose his, and he has less to lose, and Donald just simply has more. Wait and see what happens when the verdict comes down, just on this civil case for Donald. Wait and see how he reacts. I want to appeal. Well, you, in the way it works in New York State is the, the appellate process in this ain't going to work. It isn't going to go to the federal government. You can't take this out to the... And, and what is happening here is that Letitia James, what she is demanding and what she is doing is so perfectly within the scope of what has been done again and again and again and again in every level of trial. And Donald cannot put off the seizure of his assets while he attempts to appeal what is going to happen. You ain't seen nothing yet, folks. You ain't seen nothing yet here. What Rudy is going through, Donald is about to go through. Rudy goes outside the courtroom and tries to be Donald. That's all this is. If it works for Donald, and he can yell and scream and lie and, and bluster and defy, and well, let me do the same thing. <coughs> but it doesn't work. And ultimately, it can't work. It's going to end. And don't imagine for a second that every member of the Republic and Congress and the House and the Senate isn't 1,000% aware of that. What did they do this week to attempt one final desperate move to keep the fantasy going for their people, to give them one final delicious bit, bit of red meat before all hell breaks loose and the first verdicts start coming down on this? Even the civil verdict? They basically voted to begin an impeachment inquiry of the sitting president of the United States, admitting every inch of the way that they have no basis on which to do it. No basis whatsoever. But we're going to do it. Why? Because Donald told us to do it. And we're going to do something completely, insanely, irrationally, just wildly off the rails. And we're going to prove that we can be this nuts in the service of Donald, that you can still do anything you want to do. We can still go after Joe Biden, 
even though he did nothing just because we're bigger and stronger and nastier and we've got power. But they have power to do nothing. Because with this demand to go after Joe Biden, while Hunter says, give me a Give me a televised, hear you want to have a hearing against me? Everybody knows what I did. Everybody knows I was a junkie. Everybody knows what I did with money. Now, now you want to do something? You're going to give me a live hearing. And you're not going to be able to come out and then just spin whatever the hell you found behind closed doors. No, I want a public hearing. You want to go ahead and you want to basically call me in contempt? Go ahead, call me in contempt. How many Republicans have been called in contempt and basically just went on with their merry lives? Go ahead, do it. And you want to basically come at my dad for being a father and helping me through the worst time of my life? Go ahead. Take your best shot. Because when Donald now is penniless or damn close, when Donald basically may have to give up the jet, when Donald will have to basically rent the jet, hopefully based on money, well, he's, he's been collecting money like crazy for his legal defense fund, hasn't spent any of it, I understand. I don't know that he's paying any of the lawyers that he's working with right now. That money will be going to support him. Uh, Mary, his, his niece, keeps up on all this stuff. Once all of this begins to happen, then you're going to find, D Donald, by the way, Donald is, well, this is interesting. Donald and Bibi Netanyahu are in the same boat. Bibi basically has made a, made a business out of supporting the fantasies of his supporters with what he has done with the, uh, with the West Bank and not so much with Gaza because he ignored Gaza, but basically focusing on his far-right supporters to the detriment and to the ignorance of governing the rest of the country. If you're with me, I'm with you. If you're not, screw you. That's been BB's thing. And he's in power currently. Now, he, by every uh, Israeli that we know here, that my wife and I know in this country, everyone knows that he's gone. BB is about to be voted out of office as fast as people can possibly get to the point of voting him out. Or maybe he'll have the good common sense to leave. But basically, he is where he is because he is focused only on the fantasies of his followers and doesn't give a damn about the rest of the country. What happened to Israel is a perfect example of what happens when a myopic leader with interest in just preserving his own power and ignoring everything else that does not directly give him access to that power, this is what happens to the country that he has been given to lead. You put a Donald back in, in force and, and, and strength in America, and this, and whatever the analogy is for America, the, and it'll be worse because it'll be bigger, Donald's inability to focus on the larger picture of the country, except as it flows through his own needs, will put the country at the worst possible risk, plus he has already said that he's out for vengeance. Now, all of this is going to change. As the, as the verdicts come in, as the guilty comes in, as the sentencing comes in, as it becomes apparent that Donald cannot stand between you and, and, and the deep state, and that when he's no longer there, when he's been shown to be powerless, and he can't stand there, and he can't crack jokes, and he can't insult people, and he can't basically uh, break every restraining order because he's already been fully restrained by virtue of conviction and sentencing, that 
his power is non-existent. The threat of the deep state isn't there. That people who have done wrong in his name are beginning to fall like dominoes as well. Then a decision, a real decision, will be imposed on, it won't be made by Republicans in, in, in the governance realm. The decision is, well, we've got to get away. Now, did we get away with this? Did, did, did we simply say what we had to say and now people will realize, well, we were all duped. We were all duped by Donald, will be the, the line. This is what you're going to hear. He, he, he basically lied to all of us. Let's move forward. And then the people who have been duped will, have, will be demanding, re what, what, wait a minute. You, you knew all of this? all the lies that he's been convicted of, all the things that he's been... And you still wanted us to follow him, knowing that this... Wait a minute. We run the risk of losing the functional capacity of an entire American party. This is really where I want to end this. David's going to be coming on in a moment. I'm sure he has other things he wants to talk about. But I am taking a long way around to saying to you, that once Donald is shown to be what he is, watch what happens to Rudy, maybe today. Watch what happens to Donald once his money is taken away. Watch his mouth. Watch how he yells and screams. Watch, watch all of that. Watch what happens when the decision comes down from first the, the, the Court of Appeals and then the Supreme Court that will confirm the fact that Donald is liable for things that he did in office that were illegal once he was out of office. Watch all of this coming down. And watch little by little how people within the Republican Party and then the, the, the rank and file, the, the, uh, the, the underbelly, how they basically have to begin grappling with all of this insanity because that's it. And they're going to somehow disengage themselves, find a way to disenamor, disengage, find a way to get away from all. It's going to be the most, it's going to be an awful situation for a lot of people. It's going to be worse than giving up the fantasy that, that you can't, that you can't, uh, that you can overcome every little uh, inconvenience and, 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 and anger and prejudice that you've ever had. You could fulfill all of it. You could get the other side. You could get them. And all you have to do is stick with them. And when you realize, as the people who have supported Netanyahu realize, that that's a fantasy, that it doesn't work, that all you get is pain, all you get is suffering, things will change in a major way. That's the true unknown. Don't imagine for a second that, well, when Donald gets, Donald's not getting back into power. That's not going to happen. But what will happen is that an entire segment of the country, the Republican Party, the base, and everybody within it, is going to have to rethink its, 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 its role, its position, its beliefs, and their people will be having to look at themselves and, and, and examine their own lives. And why did I believe these people? It's a repetition of what has happened in a post-fascist, and hopefully we can think of it that way, in a post-fascist environment all over the planet throughout the 20th century. As people pulled away, as people disenamored themselves with the worst of what they could possibly desire. I, I, I offer this to you. Just 
thinking about this and Rudy, watching Rudy jumping up and down and being a clown and being on the verge of losing it all. And it just brought this all to mind. This is where we are going. This is where the Republican Party is going. And they won't be there with Donald. They'll be on their own. What will they choose and where will they go? Little jazz. This is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. 
Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to Center Left Radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Center Left Radio has been here for more than seven consecutive years and more than 800 individual episodes. 800. Think of that. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can. On a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, $5, $10, $1,000, whatever you can contribute to make Center Left Radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident. And as we enter this final consequences stage of the Trump saga. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know. We all know. We can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Center Left Radio, thank you. You're listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz, and you're listening to us on the web at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. Yes, it is the 15th of December, and yes, well, you knew I was going to say something first, but the, the, the important part of what I haven't said yet comes now. David, what's on your mind? Mind. Uh, well, there's a lot going on. If you want to hear more, you can follow me on Twitter at Faces Ideas. No, um, I want to talk about some Israel stuff very quickly. Yep. Uh, first, I want to talk about Biden's comments a couple days ago, where he was at I don't know if it was a fundraiser or the Hanukkah party for the for the White House, and he was talking about Israel, and he said that without Israel, Jews wouldn't be safe anywhere. Which I would be honest is both not accurate and an insane thing to say. To be clear, he is the president of the United States saying that Jews would not be safe in his country if Israel did not exist, which just statistically is just fucking No, that, no, that, that makes no, no, obviously. Obviously that makes no um, sense. Just, I, I, you, like, we, we both know what he was going for. But no, he, I have it just, no idea what he is going for. Well, because he, there is, okay. there is no, like, like just, let's just look very very quickly at some of the things that are just uh, or just uh, the idea that Jews were safer in Israel. Um, let's take a look at the largest uh, attack on Jews in both countries. In America, it was the Tree of Life shooting. They left 13 Jews dead. Also, there's 6.5 million Jews in America. That's like the entire population of Israel itself. Um, the, the 13 Jews killed in the Tree of Life massacre, which is entirely on the Republican Party because the person who did it both had access to firearms, a thing they will never curb, 
and believed all their crazy conspiracy theories to the Great Replacement and un unrestricted border access. On Israel's side, it's the October 7th massacre, which, yeah. Yeah. to be clear, is in part because of Israel's 50-year-long policy. Like, they're, they're, if their goal is to protect Jews, this policy has failed. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing to this is Biden, Biden with weapons and what he's saying in private is different than what he's doing in public. So, yes, he has stopped some settlement of uh, – some sending of uh, firearms because they're worried that it is going to end up in the hands of settlers in the West Bank, which – to be sure, it's probably true, but they're still just transferring bombs and stuff, which are killing infinitely more civilians. David, the, David, David, if I if I want to be kind to Biden in terms of uh, reviewing that remark by him, I could imagine that he was thinking historically that he was thinking of the founding of Israel, he was thinking of all of the things that were going on in the world in the Second World, that he's an old guy remembering all that, that Israel, if Israel, if the things that made Israel uh, didn't, if, if, if all of that effort wasn't made, then Jews would be without a country. Could I'm, I'm going to give him all the direction, I'm going to give him all of the leeway in the world and say maybe that was in the back of his mind. But yes, absolutely. Your interpretation is the uh, the most immediate. Let, let, let's put it that way. But I'm I'm I, I'm 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 giving Joe Biden a lot more leeway and a lot more credit than I think a lot of people are going to give him right now because he's been through this kind of crap and he's old. And yes, he's got all of these. He's got a lot of things that people aren't happy with him about. But he knows a lot of shit about how to run situations and make his way through these situations. And somehow the guy always seems to end up in the right place. I don't think his heart is in the wrong place. Certainly not from that comment. Well. Okay, well, he's he's getting there infinitely slower than he should be. Okay, I'll, 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 I will I will grant you that. Not as fast as any of us, including myself, would like him to get there publicly. Just, All right. So there's there's two things else to talk about the Israel. There's the the day after because it is the the stated position of the United States is that it's a two state solution. The stated position of Israel is occupation forever. Yeah, this that's not gonna that, that ain't gonna happen, and it can't work. It's not gonna work. Uh, right, because they said there will never be a two-state solution. Exactly. They, he literally, BB literally went on TV and said, "I know how to handle Biden to stop this." Uh, so they won't allow a two-state solution. They will not allow the expansion of Israel into Gaza as a single state. And the, the what? They're either gonna push everybody else out. Or they're going to occupy them forever, which cannot happen. And this is the thing he needs to recognize because they will undercut him on every turn. And this, and I want to repeat this because this is the thing that I, I said prior to the first ceasefire was the biggest fear I have is Biden sticking his neck out to like cut cut down on the losses and it, and be basically telling him to fuck off. Um, and that's what's happening. He's being told to fuck off, basically, by by right. by that. So yeah, he needs yeah, to yeah. react accordingly because Bibi doesn't care. He will. He he would rather have Trump in office than Biden. So as much as Biden wants to do the right thing by trying to stand by Israel, they it needs to be. Well, a well, well, well a point the, I made on the earlier part of the show, the first segment. I'm forgive me. I'll let you finish your, your thought. But a point I made on the first part of the show is that basically Netanyahu is Israel's Trump right now. He is in that same exact position, except he's doing it from 
a position of actually being in power rather than attacking from the outside. But Netanyahu is showing what the end game looks like for someone like him right now. Trump is getting to that point right now. Right. It's it's just he needs to to at least on the political stage come to the conclusion that his political um, uh, survival would require him realizing that Bibi's not his friend. Um, just and it will happily see his downfall. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 There's there's just that. Um, and then I want to talk about there because there's a lot of news going on and there's some stories that didn't get picked up. Um, yeah, I, there's recently a lot of talk about the uh, anti-Semitism on campus. Yes. Um, I don't remember if the news covered the uh, the Harvard teacher's wife uh, berating a, a Palestinian person, a Palestinian um, student, grad student, for just walking home with a key that they got out of their car and followed them, yelling at them, calling them a terrorist. I don't recall um, that. I don't recall reading or hearing about that, no. Uh, there was a, a teacher yesterday who threatened to... Uh, Cut the head off of a seven-year-old because they said that um, the Israeli flag made them uncomfortable. Um, I don't remember covering that, and I don't remember hearings. And this is very important of uh, Donald Trump's dinner guest uh, Nick Fuentes, um, who this week called for the extermination of any non-Christians, including Jews. Do you remember any hearings about that? No, no, no. I don't remember anything. Uh, what, what about? about that? Um, no. In multiple TV segments about that. No, I don't re- seem to recall. No, no, no. no. Hmm. It's it's almost like the entire push from the right for anti-Semitism is fake because it is. They don't care. I mean, I'm sure there's one or two people who actually care, but the the, the people like uh, Tom Cotton and Elise Stefanik, they don't care. No, also, why would Tom they? Cotton's a fucking clown. Yeah, but, 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 but why would they care? All they need is real floor. If they're on the religious side of it, is stay around, keep Israel there long enough so that Jesus can come and destroy it. That's what Israel is there for, essentially. If you're on that, if you're of that mindset, from another point of view, I mean, to basically, uh, you still need Israel to counter whatever's going on in the Middle East. But we need a strong and a democratically oriented and a and a politically rational Israel to do that. Uh, the, the cottons of the world don't have the brains to wrap their minds around it. They've been around the Trump and everybody, and the fa- fantasy outweighs everything. Well, the, what Cotton did for the um, for those who aren't aware, uh, he was talking to a potential judge for like Jersey or something. I don't remember where exactly it was, yeah. and he was asking him about whether he believed that Israel is. A colonial settler uh, country, and they're doing settling in the West Bank. Yeah. Keep in mind, it has nothing to do with this hearing. This is basically when Josh Hawley was talking to um, maybe it was Ted Cruz, one of them, when they were doing the uh, Kentucky Jackson Brown um, uh, confirmation. They asked her what a woman is. They know what there's going to get clicks online for. It has nothing to do with what their actual job is, but they're going to do it anyway because that's their push. Yeah. Um, I actually have a couple of other. Uh, uh, questions about stories that um, may may have uh, deserved some coverage. Uh, you remember a couple of years ago when they were talking about the price of eggs being really high, and they're just like, "Oh, inflation, 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 inflation is is the cause for everything. This is all Joe Biden's fault." Remember all that? Yeah, yeah, sure do. Did anyone cover the fact that uh, two major uh, producers of eggs? Um, just pled, uh, were just found guilty of price gouging. And no, I know, no, 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 I no, no one is, no one. I I picked up something on this, and no, I have not heard. Thank you so much for bringing it up, David. Please tell the story on this. Yeah. Well, what a lot of uh, 
economists correctly pointed out is while there was high inflation in partly due to covid and um uh, supply, supply chain, chain. the word supply chain gets thrown out constantly that that's the that's the coverall for everything yeah the well there's also one more part to it and alleged theft but we'll get to that one in a second yep a lot of these corporations are making up a lot of money and this is not even like a conspiracy theory beyond one um court case they've literally admitted it um by jacking up prices in order to blame uh, inflation. So they were artificially spiking prices in order to just make a profit. Because there's one more tiny little detail to this. Do you remember seeing videos and uh, right before the election that there was this rampant wave of shoplifting, of uh, organized crime shoplifting? Yes. The, uh, yes. The... Uh, uh, Association of uh, Retail uh, League or something like that, the AF, the ALF, um, yeah. put out a piece, and this was a lot of quoted, that 50% of all the inventory loss was due to shoplifting. Yep. Did you happen to see a news article about the uh, New York Times story on that? Um, 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 I may have seen a headline. I did not read the story. The story was that it's actually, they lied. That they were working in conjunction with a police union to create a false statement so that they can increase uh, stricter penalties on shoplifting. The actual number, when the uh, New York Times looked at it, was a tad bit lower. Do you want to guess what it was? They said it was 50%. Do you want to guess what the actual number was? No, what? Five. That five, and what, it, 5% of, 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 of an increase? The inventory loss due to shrinkage was from uh, theft. Was from shoplifting in like gangs. What has it been? What has it been tradition? There's always been some level of that. How did it, that it's differ? Seven percent. Say it, again. That's that's about historically where it's been. In other words, in other words, there has been. It's in other words, it's it's bullshit. Because it was literally based on a two-year-old man's uh, two-year-old uh, te- testimony from a single person. Okay, now. Was this information relative to a particular chain of stores, a particular part of the country? Was well, this, this was nationwide? Based on the overall, um, what their overall argument was, but stores like uh, the one of the um, heads of Walmart came out and said, "Yeah, maybe we cried about this too much." Um, the internal documents for like t- uh, Target and a couple of these other stores show that more of their inventory loss is due to. Um, uh, or inventory and um, overbuying of things. There's like way more information that actually the shrinkage had more to do with um, their side than it had to do with theft. So but what's, so, so what's happening here is people taking advantage of a perceived non-existent problem to simply keep prices up there. That's what this, or, or get whatever else they want out of it. It's also them working in conjunction with lawmakers to make things worse for people by having stricter um uh, shoplifting laws uh, for allowing, for forcing people to lock things up and uh, make your shopping experience for having armed guards places. It's a it's a combination of those things. Uh, it I, is always it is always worth mentioning when you see headlines of increased crime or um, or some type of percentage that both it is important to understand what the baseline is. Like for example, yeah, when we yeah. on COVID, yeah. and they said there would be like. There was places that had a uh, 200% increase in COVID cases um, to understand, like, oh, the baseline was, like, four people, so now they have eight. Like, understanding that and understand that generally crime information 
is lower than you think or inaccurate because um, a lot of it is is just directly reported from police reports and that's not always a accurate source Th- this sounds um, like this sounds like trumpism all over the place this is like it's not it no no it's not a trumpism thing it's a combination of um uh poor journalism a uh, combination of people uh believing that we need a higher security state and just capitalism it's it's not it's not a uh, a, a Trumpism. It is a little worrying that it is police who are um, just lying in order to increase um, their budgeting. But it is it is uh, a pretty consistent trend with them. Well, I I, um, I would I would say Trumpist in the sense that at least it's something to point. You could say well it's the it's Biden's fault that crime is up in the stores. It's Biden's fault that there's an inflation in all the supermarkets and that eggs are costing a fortune and everything. By the way, I, I must tell you. I had an interesting thing happen in this past week. I was I was shopping just yesterday. I was just picking up some stuff for dinner and I was putting together salad stuff. T- 2 weeks ago, I bought a te- it's a small thing, but I, I bought Italian uh, regular flat leaf parsley, which I love in salads and a lot of other things. And it was up to $2.99 for a bunch in Stop and Shop near where I live over here. Yesterday, it was down again to what it had been in the pre-COVID era, which was $2.29. It dropped like a rock. Suddenly. Same amount, same bunch, same everything. And I noticed this with one or two other items in the supermarket. I I wonder, and I'm just throwing this out, if knowing what just happened with the convictions against these two price gougers, the egg maven price gougers, if other sources of, 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 of retail food around the country, major retailers, might not have said, okay, that's it. We've gotten all we've gotten. I think we might start dropping our prices. I'd be just, I'm just throwing that out there. And it's, a, it's too small an example to say that this is, you know, that this is a setting a trend or it's a rule or anything. But it just follows what you were just talking about. I, I would imagine it's not. It may be um, just some other issues that are causing maybe, it to go down. Maybe, maybe. I just throw um, it out there, yeah. It, it, because it is it is important that these type of stories get pointed out. Because while, you know, um, there are certainly issues with the, the Biden economy, most, and this is definitely on him, um, the the most rapid expansion, or uh, de-expansion of um, the social safety net after COVID is a huge problem. And it absolutely made people's lives worse. And it could be a it is a driving factor to why people believe the economy is so poor. Also, yeah, yeah, the yeah. thing with inflation, while inflation is still – inflation being lower does not mean that prices are dropping. It means that they're lowering fa- – they're not lowering – they're not going up as fast. There's always a lag. There's always a lag in these things, yeah. yeah. Right. So it's, it, is, it is things like this. It is worth pointing out that these are not you know, Joe Biden's fault. And it is also worth pointing out that the Republicans have still done nothing. They have nothing to do for Zero. this. And I want to point out one last thing for this, because this is important. The When they talk about trying to give aid to Ukraine or to um, to Israel, uh, which although he can bypass to give weapons to Israel, I'm not entirely sure why he can't do that for Ukraine. Yeah, good point. Um, the, the bill that they're trying to do will not solve the, the – um, the border crisis, to be clear, because there's there's two things, there's two separate things that need to be addressed with this. One is all the people coming. Can't stop it. You just, you're just not going to be able to. It's it's a, there's more push factors than there are 
uh, pull factors, just trying to deal with the, just looking at those numbers doesn't solve the actual problem. And in all likelihood, this is going to be a problem that we need to solve now because it's going to get worse for a number of factors, being climate change, uh, potentially Venezuela going to war. Yep. Um, things like that are are definitely something we need to solve because, and I cannot stress this enough, the ultimate solution from the right will be just to start shooting people. Of course, um, of course. And we're probably, we're one election cycle out from that because it's already started. Ron DeSantis's uh, border policy is, I'm just going to start shooting people, I believe, with the cartel. Um, and, and if he had any type of popularity, besides being like a little weirdo, this would be a more it will be a more mainstream position um, should Trump lose in 24. Um, but the other thing to it is part of the reason that there are so many migrants in this country that are just like being bussed around everywhere is because we do not have a fast and efficient way to uh, both become an actual citizen, both become a uh, uh, somebody who has a green card or to claim asylum. So the answer to dealing with this is not to bring back Title 42, which Tom Tillis said he wants to have less than 3,000 um, encounters at the border a day, which at no point during during um, uh, Title 42's existence did it actually accomplish that goal. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. The, the, the answer is not stop less people. The answer is process them faster because that is that is the backlog. You need to – we need to mail – mainstream our asylum project our asylum uh system we need to mainstream our immigration system we need to make it easier for people to both um be processed quickly and apply for asylum because asylum is legal it is legal both in american law it is illegal in it is legal in uh um the uh like the global law yeah to have sure. to allow for asylum cases and it's, so it, it's the history system, of our country and to be clear about this Joe Biden agreeing with the Republicans on this will both not stop them from doing nothing about this and making it worse the next time and will hurt him with his base. Because to be clear, if he agrees to things, it, it is likely the House will still not accept it because, one, it's not far enough for them, and two, they think that he went around Mike Johnson because he was just um, he was just uh, negotiating with the Senate Republicans. So – it is so. If he does want to make an immigration deal, I, the immigration deal looks something like we'll increase border security or we'll to, for whatever. But in return, we're going to revamp the the asylum system. We're going to revamp immigration, which is we're what which, which would be a which might not be a terrible thing. You know? No, no, it's it's a much needed because I and this cannot be stressed enough. The Republicans have no policies. They no. like like on any single issue. Remember. They and this is this is not a uh, this is not a bug. It's a feature. Um, they came into power without any policy plans. They were they they just said we're going to lower inflation, we're going to lower gas, we're going to solve the border, we're going to deal with crime, and then nobody ever asked them what their plans were. Right? Like, they just they have no ideas. And then you can this is this is literally not a joke. This is the least productive con- Congress in American history. Yep. They've done essentially nothing. The only thing they do is run around yelling about Hunter Biden, who basically told them, like, I'm here, come let me testify. And then the funniest thing is Jim Jordan's like, well, you know, if you blow off a subpoena, we're going to have problems. Mr. Jim Jordan, I refuse to deal with the subpoena from January 6th. That's right. But just as a as a statement to how, like, they're all insane, um, but how uh, bad Comer is at this, 
Uh, he can't go on Fox anymore to talk about this, except if it's like to like Maria Bartiromo, um, because every time he does, he looks like a clown. Um, because they keep asking him the the literally the only question he has to have an answer to is, "Can you prove Joe Biden did anything?" Can what what what, what is it you're accusing him of? <laughs> you know, forget about proving it. What are you accusing him of that has any substance whatsoever? And then even after that is the proofs. I mean, it, there's nothing there, and they have nothing. They know it. Right. They, uh, they're doing this entirely because they need to equate Joe Biden with Trump and. We're about to get a very interesting Supreme Court ruling. So Jack Smith is, oh boy. Um, and I believe it's the 20th he has to respond. Um, Jack Smith went to the Supreme Court and said, look, I need a ruling like right now about whether or not the president is above the law. And now I can't imagine the Supreme Court says yes. Oh, no, they, they, they can't. The they can't. Even if, even if Clarence Thomas has been paid off by someone that day, even if Alito has just had his tickets booked for a private vacation someplace in Alaska for next summer. No, they can't do it. And they know they can't because every bit of law and fact is against the notion that Trump has immunity for this stuff. It's, it's, it's just there. And it's been decided several times. Several, several federal courts below have already decided it. There's nowhere to go with that one. And, and that was brilliant uh, strategically. Uh, on on on, uh, on Jack Smith's part to do this now because that will be the hue and cry throughout the entire trial and when you take that away now at this point and you basically you, you you do you slide into home plate pretty much for the rest of the trial right because just just even if they if they said yes then there's there then by that because this this falls back to a lot of right wing logic it's okay if our guy does it but not if your guy does it like um, if they say yes, then Joe Biden never has to leave office. He can just cancel the election and then just appoint the next president. Um, yeah, because there's no, there's no uh, way to hold them accountable. He, he just can't. That's be, right. Uh, that's right. No like, one. That's it. Nothing. Nothing. It's it, it's an insane. It's an insane concept. But then again, so is most of the defense that Trump has put out to most of the stuff he's done. But it, it is similar. There is, you know. This is it's not like they can figure out some way to carve some explanation. They, they did it when they, they handed Bush the presidency. They're like, yeah, this is a special case that we're going to let our guy win. But uh, this is a singular case. Uh, David, like- it goes on and goes on and goes on. And uh, I'm, I'm curious to see what's going to happen with the Rudy. What happens after Rudy uh, uh, gets uh, gets completely uh, sapped of all his money and Donald. <laughs> I'm thinking may find himself uh, not far behind with the with what's going on in New York State with him right now and on and on and there's so much for you to talk about and so much I enjoy talking with you about. Uh, where else besides Center Left Radio might people hear you talk about it? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Faces Ideas. And and uh, I'm I'm so grateful that we find you here on Fridays at uh, Center Left Radio. Um, this is getting fascinating and fascinating-er and whatever the, the inappropriate, grammatically uh, expressive way of saying that would be. And I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to hear your, your, your take on these things. It's always insight uh, and uh, always uh, an interesting way of spending a Friday morning. Uh, listen in, everybody. Stay with us. Uh, there's a lot to come. And uh, the, the, the best way to, to, just, to basically absorb it all, the thing that works well in helping you absorb your vitamins and minerals uh, as you attempt to extract them from all you've heard, you have to add a healthy dose 
of A Little More Jazz. listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. Donald and Rudy Giuliani, amazingly, are in virtually the same legal and practical position at this moment. Both are facing near bankruptcy. Rudy, Rudy more practically, probably real bankruptcy. Donald, a severe loss of money. Both of them are basically about to lose their status, but Donald just lies so much better. It'll take that much more time.